I have the list of the most expensive paintings in the world. And so I would like to ask to see if you know what the most expensive painting sold, I think auctioned or however this this is uh, considered. I think all of these are done. Well, most it looks like a lot of them private sales, but also mm. with Christie's of New York. I was about to say, are you going through the auction house? <laughs> Uh, I guess both. Okay. Do you have any, any guess about the highest price ever paid for a painting? Oh man. Recent? Yes. This happened in 2017. No, I mean, aside from the fact that it was definitely, yeah, had to be in in, no lower than the millions. Let's. So it sold the original price in millions of dollars is $450 million. Mm, That's such a lovely number for the painting Salvador Mundi by allegedly by Leonardo da Vinci. Now this is pretty interesting because I just listened to this podcast by Michael Lewis of uh, Moneyball fame mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's talking about referees and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it's like a, it's a, it's a really, I would definitely recommend this podcast series, but in it, he actually talks about the Salvador Mundi where there is a good chance that Leonardo da Vinci did not paint this. But there is such uh, there is such pressure mm-hmm. to for like these art experts to verify what it is, you oh, know, yeah, yeah, that it's it just got kind of passed through. Even though there's all these kind of red uh, flags that were raised about it and mm-hmm. continue to be raised, that it was almost everyone just like this has to be a Leonardo, and it went for four hundred and fifty million dollars, right. Did, did you uh, punch it up? Well, you know, what's funny is I don't know if it was an NPR or, you know, broadcast or something we were talking about, but now that it's in front of me, it's, uh, you know, hitting my head. But yeah, this is, I mean, the art world, man. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate the fervor, the attention. Um, it's, I think the part that is always a little off is you know it's it's it's, it becomes less about the work and more about the prestige right of the of the name of the artist i mean and and you know don't get me wrong anybody who considers himself a creator an artist on any level you want to be known i mean you wouldn't be sharing your work if you didn't because usually you have something to say on some level completely agree yeah so it's just it's like okay is this about the prestige of the artists of having a da Vinci or is it more about the history and the, uh, the opportunity to add to the tradition of the human experience and how we are, you know, documenting our, our time. I mean, I think for this was definitely the prestige of having the Leonardo da Vinci because this was marketed as the last da Vinci. Right. Everything else is right. all tied up in museums and whatnot. This so is far the as last... they know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And like it seems like Leonardo didn't really even like to paint all that much. He didn't do a whole lot. Right. He was just too busy being a genius about everything. I think. Well, you know, he he had he had visions. He had things that he he saw that needed to be changed, corrected, righted, uh, allowed to experiment. Um, and you know, science and art have a lot of fun. I think when they hang out together. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like. Painting takes time, man. It's there's patience involved in this endeavor. Not that mm-hmm. there isn't any other side of it, of course, but you know, with the science, especially then, 
folks weren't really too keen to be paying attention, but the art, everybody's got an opinion about the art, always. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, there are a dime a dozen. Do you have any guess of what the second most expensive painting would be that was sold in 2015? No, but I am fascinated that you pulled these up. <laughs> the artist, I've never heard of this person, Willem de Kooning. Does that sound familiar? The painting is called Interchange. Is is an oil-on-canvas painting mm-hmm, by the mm-hmm. Dutch-American abstract expressionist painter William de Kooning. Yes. Um, I am not the biggest fan of the abstract or modernist movement. But, man, they sell because <laughs> boy, this do they ever. Yeah, this is 300 million. <laughs> yes. I, um, I have some very dear friends that are fantastic artists, and they really focus on you know, the more abstract, which I have an appreciation for, um, but it's just not really where I, I like to go. And they do a great job. I actually, I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this piece now and it's funny because it's like, oh, it's, it's very reminiscent. Um, when I was, it was in the 2000s, uh, I had an internship with the Dallas Museum of Art and I absolutely, I mean, my time there, it was, it was fantastic. It felt like it was too short. Um, learned a lot and just really, really appreciated the opportunity to do it. Um, but they were preparing for a show and the, the, the department I was working in uh, was the, uh, the, the visual resource library. So it was an intern for where all of the, you know, the information is kept. Were you pulling up, you know, do you have this collection on hand? Do we need to go somewhere else to, to borrow it? See what's the overall theme, reference materials, so forth and so on. You can get really nerdy really quick. And if you like books, that's where you go. You know, you can dig down. Libraries, there's a theme. But um, anyways, the, uh, the curator for the modern wing, I was sassy. I was 18, like fresh out of high school and had opinions. And I just, I wasn't digging it. And it was this fantastic retrospect over cutlery and dining wear over time and I have to think or pull it up what the actual exhibition was that we were getting ready but we had the privilege of getting to you know walk through the exhibit before it was opened up for the public and as an intern you know that's a that's a big deal you're getting chances too to see if there's areas of opportunity does anything else need to be fixed or reworked and um, you know it's, it's a really cool thing but again 18 no sense in a big mouth so i'm walking around and i'm just like i just don't get it i just don't get it i wasn't letting myself be there and really experience the art and um, much like it's easy to do when you look at something like this and you're like I just, I just don't get it why are you gonna pay this much money for it do you think you can appreciate this now compared to 18 year old you walking around with visions of heavy metal Yes, exactly, exactly. It was like you're trying to take 18 year old me, heavy metal, just living a life in my head, and just not not connecting. Here you are having this conversation where you're like, have an open mind, you know, experience the weird, but realizing, you know, hindsight's 2020, that you want everyone else to experience and know you're weird, but are you willing to, you know, reciprocate? Because that can be like the abstract art, and just like I, this just makes no sense to me. And taking the time to sit back now and just experience the art for what it is how it's being presented to you and ask questions and think about it doesn't it still doesn't mean you have to like it but having a moment to interact with the art is just it's just so important and something i would love to tell 18 year old me to sit down and shut up for a second when did you uh hit that point where you started to be able to appreciate other people's weirdness i think um just getting out more i can be very sociable and talkative um, but i can also be very 
reclusive and just not really in the moment. I spend a lot of time in my head and, you know, thinking about things, overthinking things, worrying about things. <laughs> I mean, you can spin the wheel and, you know, that can be, that can be exhausting. And so then you don't really have a whole lot of energy to go out and just experience other people and things. But I would say when I was out of high school and we, and I moved out and actually my husband, who at the time was my boyfriend, we moved out to like our first apartment. You know, you just start, kind of start keeping your own schedule, keeping your own routine and trying things. And I found that I was doing, I wasn't necessarily doing a whole lot with other people, but I was going places and just people watching. Sometimes, you know, you'd sketch and you're just kind of trying to stay loose and stay in the process of, you know, knowing how to draw bodies. And if you consider yourself a figure artist, that's, you should be doing that. <laughs> it helps. You're just not a creep. You're actually right. working right now. Like, I got to check out your body, but trust me, I am an artist. Oh, man, it's the creepiest thing ever, too. And people come up and they're like, can I draw you? You're like, nope. No, you can't. Um, that's what figure drawing classes are for. Um, but then, you know, here you are sitting on the park bench quickly drawing people, you know, but you're not sitting there trying to. I'm not knocking on folks who do. There's a whole process. Um, for me, it's a struggle. So reeling it in, because I live on Tangent City, I guess I just, I realized that if I wanted to have an idea of the conversations I wanted to have as an artist, I needed to know what I was maybe going to talk to people about. I don't know how else to explain it. I don't know if it necessarily sounds like a really good answer, but I was that kid that asked a lot of questions. Let's go to the next couple paintings, which I believe are from you. Ah, yeah, not so humble, but yes. Um, so let's see. Let's see. This first one is called uh, Creation Stories, and it's it started off being just this image, which is a figure, just kind of being formed by celestial bodies, by mostly stars, and there's just this horizon of a larger celestial body. So the idea here, the, the whole feeling to, that I was attempting to emulate was this something was coming together or maybe something was falling apart. I mean, for, for myself, that process is one and the same. We are, I know I feel it, but we are constantly in a state of like falling apart and coming back together, you know, peeling ourselves down and seeing who's in here and then trying to piece it back together. Um, we do that our whole lives. We start that way as kids. We're figuring out what we like and it just kind of migrates and moves as we go. And sometimes we just we stay in one spot for too long. And that process is like the sudden explosion. And when I made this piece, um, it was 2016, 2017. And I was feeling that. I was just feeling like there was this big moment of trying to come unstuck and parts were just starting to you know, pop off. <laughs> and leave room for other things to come in and start coming together. The model for this piece is actually a fantastic burlesque performer, uh, Lola Lestrange. Uh, she's a local Texas performer here and uh, modeled for Dr. Sketchy's Austin, which um, I participate with and they're great. They're like the anti-art school. They've got uh, affiliates all over the United States. I believe they started in New York, but uh, it's, a great, it's a great little venue. It's a great opportunity to do figure drawing in a very relaxed professional Professional, but not, you know, professional in the sense that everyone there is an adult and is going to respect the art and the model and the experience. But that doesn't mean you gotta, you have to be good at what you do. We're there to learn and to grow as artists and to 
interact with others. And, you know, that's a, that's a part of it here in the last five years, really deciding to get back into the local art scene and see where I was as an artist and as a person and hanging out with uh, the folks at Dr. Sketchy's and connecting with the group here, Acoustic Canvas. Um, they're another artist art collective. They're here uh, local. They're in North Austin. I'm kind of one of the further south participants, but um, I'm also one of the moderators for our group. And it's, I mean, I'm really just now coming into it. It's been around for a little over seven years, and it's just a really, it's a fantastic group of folks. And we've got a fair dose of, you know, weirdos, and it's great. It's great to be around. It's great to exchange ideas and thought processes as well as creative processes and it, connecting with your community. It just, it helps you grow as an artist. But back to this piece, that was a lot of what was going through my head at the time. Like, I was like, what, what the fuck am I doing? What am, what's my goal here? Am I, am I going to continue to create because I've got something to say? Is it because I want to experience something else? I mean, just all sorts of things. So this started off as just a singular piece. It's actually now a completed piece. It's a triptych, so it's three panels. And the, the idea of a, of a triptych originally was they were usually used as altar pieces, right? The rich in the medieval era, the Renaissance very uh, usually I just theme, um, but just a panel something that you could sit there and you could devote your time and your focus to and this became the other subsequent images I'm sorry I didn't have very clear ones to send you but I'll try to get them they uh the left panel is just this uh bead of light this idea of something forming and the stardust trail kind of comes back over here to the main central figure and then we float through this image and then you go up to the right where there is a disembodied torso one of my favorite images um with <laughs> the idea of these like disembodied torsos just floating around space i just love the idea of it but it's very ghost-like, you know, it's like a memory, an idea, and it's forming around a compass rose and, and the arms are outstretched. I mean, you can't really tell if it's coming or going, and I like the idea of that because that's where my head is or was, and yeah, it probably still is. It was just, I'm either exploding and coming apart or I'm coming together, and I'm not really sure if I'm coming or going. <laughs> Where do you think you are right now as an artist? I'm, I am definitely learning. I'm, um, it's still a process trying to take what's in your head and have it translate properly through your hands as a, as a visual artist, um, as a painter, you know, sometimes your, your hand or mind will, uh, not be fast enough for my head. Actually, that's most of the time. Uh, I talk so damn much. I have this awful lisp. It's like my, my brain is always going so much faster than my poor mouth or my hands can keep up with. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. This chair is really squeaky. No, it's okay. Do you think, are you satisfied where you are right now? No, not at all. I think I've come a long way. It's, I think one of the best things that you can do as an artist is to take a step back every now and then, especially when you're really discouraged about where you are. And I've, I've been in a crazy creative block, but also forced focus which we can talk about with the next piece but um, just to take a step back and look at stuff that you did two months ago five years ago ten years ago ten minutes ago and just just look at it I know for me it's always like okay I'm not at least I'm not there 
anymore. I'm still trying to move forward. I'm still trying to refine my technique and how I use my materials, how I approach my my subject matter, my process, my drafts. Um, sometimes I struggle with a piece and knowing if it's something that I'm just doing for myself to relieve a, a pressure in like in my head to create, uh, you know, just doodling and shit like that and just making stuff up and being weird versus having something to say. And sometimes that line is blurred and it's not till I step away from a piece that I get a better understanding of where my head was. So as an artist, sometimes that's hard, especially if I'm creating something for somebody else. I have clients and commissions I've done over the years where I've had to say, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking longer than I thought I would for this piece. And this is what's going on. Having that conversation, working with them around it and it can be kind of a bummer because you want you want to be as good as sometimes other people uh, think you are or whatever. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a weird thing to think about. But I don't know. Right now, I feel a little stuck. I'm, I'm working my way through it. You know, imposter syndrome is a real bitch. <laughs> right. How important is like critical and commercial success to you as an artist? I don't know. I guess it depends on what you want to do or, or why you're doing it. I think critical and commercial success is important if you if you have a message. And sometimes I feel like I do, but I don't think I've developed the visual vocabulary to articulate it well. I know a lot of vocabulary, but I stumble on it all the time. It just falls out of my mouth. Um, and but I want to be very careful with how I put it down on paper, so to speak. Um, you know, images and visual conversations are so personal. Uh, an image, a symbol for me that says a, says something, you know, can be taken in a different context. And sometimes that is exactly what you want. Sometimes it's a great conversation starter. And sometimes it just makes a big mess of things. And I can be careless verbally at times. Um, and I try not to be visually careless, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if commercial success is really my goal. Um, it certainly helps if you're trying to, you know, pay the bills, <laughs> right? <laughs> which I am trying to do. I mean, we have the So it's a little bit more complicated because even though it is. ideally you're like the artist and you're like, oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. The realist, it does matter a little bit. It fucking matters, uh, for lack of a better phrase. It just is trying to figure out where it lives priority wise. I mean, I, you know. Right. I have a I have family. I am the I'm the breadwinner for my household, um, and as much as I would love to be doing my art on a regular basis and on a scale with which I was supporting my family, it's you know, right now that's going to be hard to do. Yeah. And being a realist in that context can take some of the wind out of your sails creatively because you do get those moments where you just kind of sit back and you're like, man, why am I doing this? <laughs> is this because, you know, it's helping me or is it my ego? I mean, it's like, what is it? And, you know, if, like right now, one of the series I'm working on are self-portraits. It's like, you just look like a vain asshole. I'm like, oh, look at all these pictures. It's your face. Well, speaking of vain portraits of your face, <laughs> the, last, the last piece of art, yes. I recognize that person right there. It's that cold, that cold, hard stare from across the aisle that says, bitch, you going down. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you describe what this painting is? So this is the first in a series of self-portraits where I am just 
really breaking breaking things down for myself. Um, I don't want to necessarily say it's a midlife crisis because it's not. I mean, I'm almost 40. We're just, you know, we're staring at the threshold, so it's not really that. But just being in a space uh, personally where I'm really trying to take a hard look at why I do what I do, the habits that I have, the things that I want, um, just, you know, lots of self-reflection. We're just going to get super new agey and hippy-dippy here, but just really trying to do a lot of deep work. And as an artist, the best way I know how to do that is through self-portraits. Um, and, you know, some of the great, great artists like Frida Kahlo, I know she's so popular right now and is so well-deserved, but as a great example, it's like when you are in your own head, granted her situation is very different, but when you are in your own head a whole lot, you have times where you feel like you are the person you know best. And at the same time, you don't know yourself well enough at all. And her willingness to really explore that and explore her triggers and her traumas and where she was going. And I sound very 2019 right now with this lingo, but is very inspiring. And it's very, you know, it's scary because I mean, nobody wants to open up the closets and just go, let's see all the ways I think I suck. It's a great <laughs> idea. So with that in mind, uh, this first portrait is called the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, seven of discs. Um, in my tarot deck, I'm a, practicing pagan so you know living here in the south that's always popular but I do a lot of tarot tarot work I grew up with tarot decks uh, my, my grand taught me how to read them uh, so did my mother but the uh, it represents a fear of failure so that was something that I wanted to just meet head-on with this piece it was my own version of that and again as I was saying earlier in the creation stories piece so we have, instead of a disembodied torso, here we just have a severed disembodied head floating around in space and the implication of floating around in space. And not only that, but the face is in a state of either dissolving or forming. It's just, I'm not being very clear in whether it's deterioration or growth. Honestly, for myself, those feel exactly the same. <laughs> You could become a better person. You could be falling apart. They kind of feel the same. And I'm working specifically in the series just in black and white. It's really limiting the palette because I'm really limiting the subject matter, which is hard for me. I talk in tangents. My brain functions on them. And I have a tendency to create that way too. Not a shocker. But here, I'm really, I'm just really pushing myself to focus, <laughs> pare it down, and just stick to the basics. Um, the difference here with each piece is that I'm using one color, one tonal aspect to help tell the story, to help kind of push it forward. So the hair here is blood crimson red, and it just fades in and out along with the, the cosmos. The idea that I was going for was that, again, it's, it's either coming together or falling apart. And then the seven moons, uh, seven is attributed to a God number to change or well, not change necessarily, but to really trying to connect with your own sense of divinity and, and other and the phases of the moon, like being female, considering myself as, as a you know, female entity here to move through the phases always, right? We're just always fucking changing and experiencing things and emotions and uh, it's just always hitting you all the time. <laughs> mood swings, I guess. I mean, we all have them, but there's a lot of myth in that too. It's like, why are women pegged to be the moody motherfuckers? I know some moody ass men, mm -hmm. um, but there's just this fear of failing in that. Like, are you, am I failing at this? Am I failing at growth? Am I falling apart? Do I 
do I seem like a lunatic? So just, you know, taking that opportunity to put a lot of your my fears outside of my head and onto another surface. Um, there's the eye is a blank, milky stare. There's nothing there because really what I'm saying is like, I know this isn't me. I'm scared shitless, right? But I know that's not who I am. I just don't know how to reconnect with that idea. So this head is severed, floating up in space. There's essences of it dripping down past this line of sight. And it's not a, it's not a real person, right? It's a shell. And the red there is, you know, blood, blood life, um, the, the fact that there's a lot of sacrifice involved there and your hair is symbolically, I mean, it's dead. It's right. It's dead skin cells that just keeps pushing out the top. You shaved yours off. It looks fabulous. But the, uh, the hair is attributed, you know, with like the sense of both pride we take in keeping it healthy and clean and flowing and luxurious, but also remembering that you're grooming dead skin. I color the shit out of mine. I love the fun, funky colors. Again, I communicate that way, or at least that's the intent. Um, so this first portrait is just really, I was like, okay, well, let's just go ahead and lay it all out there. Um, I'm scared out of my fucking mind. So what's that look like? <laughs> oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you're hoping by the end of this series, you're making that breakthrough. I sure hope so, because I don't like, I get bored I don't like being in the same place for too long. Um, I I enjoy the process of learning. I reading conversation. I mean, you and I talk about these things like podcasts, things we love to to delve into. As much as I spent so much of my time as a child wanting to say I knew everything and wanting to know, you know, the process of living and growing, you discover that you don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to learn, and as an artist, I think it's super important to realize that much as you are, as you are growing and aging, you're going to be doing the same thing with your art. Or, I mean, that's my goal is to continuously grow and see what I can do next and see how I can, you know, communicate. So I I don't know how many I'm going to have in this series. My original goal was seven. I just really like the number. Um, I'm currently on the third one. uh, And it's uh, it's a little bit bigger than this one, and it's proving a little cumbersome to get it up on my my easel securely, so I can mess with it. But it's exciting. I mean, at times it's it's just flat out exhausting because you know you work all day long, and then mm-hmm. kids and school and helping with homework and dealing with things and life. And by the time the whole house is settled and down, and it's like ten o'clock at night, now you're gonna try and create and you know, you're already sometimes working on fumes and you're going to do a whole lot of like bloody soul searching while you're at it. It's like, man, it'll leave a person a little, little raw at times. Yep. A lot of pressure to do it right then and there. Yeah. And and there, well, and you go through times too, where you just can't, you just cannot, you can't. I mean, I've had a two week spell granted, you know, I lost my grandmother and my uncle, Mm -hmm. um, not too soon before that just being really tired mentally and kids started back up with school and you're just, yeah, like, just yeah, sometimes wait. it's okay to go to bed. Yeah. You know what? There are a lot of days. It is really okay to go to bed. And actually I would like to go to bed before anyone else. Sometimes like I want to go to bed first. <laughs> Somebody needs to tuck me in. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, it sounds like you're ready to go to bed. So is it bedtime, Bob? Almost. So if, <laughs> 
Is there anywhere that listeners can find your work online? Yes. So I am obnoxiously on social media. <clears throat> on the Instagram, it's the number three uh, painted moons. That's also my handle on Twitter and uh, Facebook as well. I have a studio page that is open to the public. Um, so that is available. And then I have my website, which is uh, www.3paintedmoons.com. It's in a state of being redesigned right now. So if, if you go there here in the next two months and it looks funky, I'm sorry. Come back later. It'll get, be- it'll get better. It'll, it'll get, get better, better. I promise. Always. That's the goal. That's why I've been telling everybody on this. It's like, oh, stay in here. Don't worry. It's a, it's a reoccurring theme, right? Yes. You're like, Please. it'll get better. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. This is Bob, and good night. Thank <laughs> you.